This podcast is made possible by the generous support of Lilly Oncology. Hi, I'm Maura Dickler, um, and I'm Vice President of Late Phase Oncology Research and Development at Eli Lilly. I am a breast cancer medical oncologist, um, and I practiced at Memorial Sloan Kettering for about 23 years, um, and I joined Eli Lilly in May of this year. Um, I'm attending the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium in 2018. I think this is maybe my 20th year of attending, and it's really been exciting to see the change and the growth, and it's really um, quite amazing. Um, you know, this year there are a number of interesting abstracts. Um, I, when I think about um, uh, new treatments in breast cancer, I often um, segregate them out into sort of different classifications. I think um, when I'm thinking about um, immunotherapy in breast cancer, um, there'll be an update of the atezolizumab study, which was a trial of Abraxane or NAB paclitaxel with or without uh, tezolizumab in women with um, metastatic triple negative breast cancer. This was a first-line trial that was initially reported at ESMO this year in Munich, um, and it showed a benefit um, in overall survival, particularly in patients that had pdl one positive tumors. Um, we anticipate an update of those results, um, and I think that the updated presentation will actually focus uh, more on the immune biomarker subtypes and ultimately trying to find the subgroup of patients that benefit the most. So I anxiously await that presentation. Um, in the HER2 positive uh, um, um, disease subtype, um, I think the biggest presentation this year is the Catherine trial, um, and that's a study that's looking at TDM1. Um, versus trastuzumab, and that's in HER2-positive patients who have already received neoadjuvant chemotherapy, but who have residual disease at the time of surgery. And patients with residual disease were randomized to either to continue trastuzumab for a year of therapy or switch to TDM1. Um, I have to look um, once the data is presented and see how many patients got neoadjuvant pertuzumab, and I don't think pertuzumab was continued after surgery. I think the comparison was TDM1 versus TRAS. Um, there was a press release that suggested that the benefit was in favor of TDM1 and that it was a statistically significant benefit. So um, that, that may be a practice-changing abstract. Although, again, looking to see who got neoadjuvant pertuzumab and whether pertuzumab was continued for a year of therapy, as in the affinity data, will be important because ultimately doctors might um, opt for an affinity-type um, approach to treatment versus a, a Catherine-type approach. And, and we'll have to see and weigh the risks and benefits and side effects of those treatments. Um, also in the HER2-positive space, there's an update of the FAIR trial, and that was looking at the duration of trastuzumab, either 6 versus 12 months, um, in a lower-risk population of patients. The Catherine trial is a high-risk population of patients who had residual disease after neoadjuvant treatment. The FAIR trial was just an adjuvant study, and, and I look forward to, to seeing those results. I think the duration of trastuzumab is important, especially in women who have a reduction in their left ventricular ejection fraction during treatment. 
that sometimes happens when women are getting anti-HER2 therapy. And sometimes we have to stop the trastuzumab early. Um, and data showing that six months of treatment might be sufficient is often reassuring for the women who can't complete a year of therapy. Presently, one year of trastuzumab is the current standard of care. Um, there will be also be an update of the SOLAR trial, and that was a study that looked at alpelisib in combination with fulvestrant in women with ER-positive, um, HER2-negative metastatic breast cancer. The primary endpoint of that trial was to see if alpelisib added to the benefits of fulvestrant in a PIK3A pick 3 ca mutant population of women, um, although uh, there was a broader group of patients that were treated, um, so there was a mixture of pick 3 ca mutant positive and, and negative, um, but again, the primary endpoint was in the mutant population. And that study was also presented at ESMO, um, and it was positive in favor of the addition of alpelisib in the mutant population. And at San Antonio, we'll be seeing an update of that data and, and more subgroup analyses. And then finally, um, uh, in the CDK4-6 inhibitor space, there are um, no practice-changing abstracts, but there are some interesting abstracts. Um, there's a study looking at trilocilib, um, and, and that's in combination with um, gemcitabine and, carbo, um, and carboplatin in metastatic triple negative breast cancer. And this is a different trial, actually, in that this is not the typical ER-positive HER2-negative metastatic disease, the way we've seen the three CDK4 six inhibitors tested. This is actually given in combination with chemotherapy um, in the hopes that it's given first to pull um, the uh, bone marrow cells out of cell cycle so that the myelosuppressive effects of chemotherapy are diminished. And this study, um, according to the abstract, looks like it was beneficial in terms of protecting the myeloid precursors, lessening neutropenia, um, and we'll see outcome um, data. Uh, there is a study of um, the next Monarch trial, which is a bemocyclib in combination with tamoxifen, um, and also um, some arms as a single agent, um, which is of interest. And then there's the PALET trial, which is a study looking at um, palbocyclib in combination with letrozole in the neoadjuvant setting. So that's sort of a, a grouping of interesting uh, presentations that are here. I'd say the most practice changing is likely to be the Catherine trial, um, but I look forward to seeing updates from some of the large trials that were presented initially at ESMO.